the blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. Talk to me, guys. Partially polarized set of moving pulses, amplitude modulated. We're locked. Systems check out signal across the board. What's the frequency? 4.4623 gigahertz. Hydrogen times pi. Told you. Strong sucker, too. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm patched in. All right, let me hear it. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me this week is co host Dean. Tim, you know what I've been thinking lately? There are a lot of podcasts out there, and if we're the only one that's covering contact, sure is an awful waste of space. Nice. I thought that was going nowhere, (laughs) but was I wrong? (laughs) Well, my track record proves that it should have gone nowhere, but I think I pulled it through. I pulled it together today. Uh, Dean, they don't make them like this anymore, do they? Tim, that's exactly what I was thinking. What a movie. (laughs) This movie is incredible. It is incredible. I I love this movie. This movie is great. Contact rules. It's great. It's uh, it's a fantastic, huge budget sci-fi movie. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah, a huge budget sci-fi thinker, and it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nothing really like this out there. I've always loved it. Ever from the very first time I saw it, I've loved it. I haven't seen it in a while. I watched it again. I love it. Maybe. Even more? I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to love it more than I did, but I, maybe I do. It's it's great. I love it. Yeah. In in my memory, Tim, you've owned this since the beginning of time. Because I, I did. Have... I got this a year before it came out. What? Yeah. That's a whole time travel thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 <laughs> because, Tim, I remember a few things about your room. When I was a kid, your room was kind of, you know, you can't go in there. You're not allowed to to step foot in Tim's room, but if he ever invites you in and just to talk about something, you make sure you get a good look at everything in there so you can have a visual picture of that room. And I remember the case of contact in your room since the beginning of time. I remember it. Hmm. Good case. So I was a little shocked when this is a 1997 movie because I was like, I feel like I've seen that thing in there since it was like 1990. If, If I invited you in the room, it was probably because I wanted something. Oh yeah, for sure. I probably needed to borrow money. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I was selling all my toys, Tim, so I was loaded. That's right, yeah. You were rolling in the dough. Yeah. Um, so this movie, Dean, released in 1997 with a budget of $90 million. Huge, huge oh, man. Huge, I love it. Huge, huge budget. Is that the biggest budget of a movie we've covered yet? Wow, that is a fantastic I, question, Tim. I can't think of one more expensive than 90 million dollars oh, avengers we did avengers in episode oh, yeah, 50 okay. that's the only one though i think yeah i guess star trek the reboot probably had more than 90 million as well uh yeah true yeah now it grosses 171 million so almost money doubled it's almost fine. almost yeah fine. it's good good return for a movie like this i actually think that's an excellent return yeah this, this could have bombed 
honestly, it should have bombed. I think the only reason it didn't bomb is because uh, you get Zemeckis coming off of Gump. So people are like, great. Maybe. You know, Zemeckis sci-fi movie, I am in. Um, but yeah. I don't think it got all the legs that it should have because, you know, maybe not a lot of people were going in for the rewatch. Not sure. But uh, it, that's a good number. I, I'm actually surprised that that number is that high because I thought it would be lower than that. Uh, as you mentioned, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, our boy. I love this guy. We do. Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah. What Lies Beneath. Have you seen What Lies Beneath? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. The Polar Express, another one people kind of like to hate on. That's an exciting, fun movie. Yeah, it just looks weird, man. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I it mean, looks weird. When you get CG, it can tend to get dated a little bit, but. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the motion capture. Yeah. Now, Zemeckis initially turned down this movie because the ending sucked. <laughs> So he said the last page and a half of the script had the sky opening up and angelic aliens putting on a light show. Yeah. So that's how it could have ended. Yeah, a little Close Encounters type ending is what what I get from that, you know? Um, Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned in our Mad Max episode that George Miller was involved um, on this movie for a year as the director. Right, yeah. And... um, we had wondered if any of his um, footage or any of his work remained in the movie because a year is a long time. For sure, yeah. There is none of it in the movie because he spent his entire year working on the script. And when the uh, studio said, listen, dude, we got to start the movie, he said, I need more time with the script. So they fired him. <laughs> They're like, you've had a year. You can't come into this year-end meeting and say you need more time. You're fired. You're out. Right. Get out of here. Yeah. So, I mean, that and a few other reasons, but he got fired. So, So, Tim, would uh, you say this is another one that's been through development hell? No. No? no. Okay. I wouldn't call this. No, not development hell. This one, it sounded like it was just the normal type of BS that would go on trying to get a movie made. You know, actor, whatever, an actor drops out or the director gets fired. That's kind of like everyday stuff but you know when like when you go through like four or five directors or it takes you seven million dollars to make a script you know those are that those are some issues yeah now cinematography uh, i like to bring bring these guys up Mm -hmm. when it matters and oh my goodness does it matter in this movie the cinematographer was don burgess incredible work on this movie it's it's amazing now, he's done a lot of Zemeckis movies. It's like they're oh, kind cool. of like a pair. So he's done yeah. a lot of the big ones. Um, but I would have to say this is his greatest work. I, I cannot see it getting better than this for, for him. Love it. Yep. Great cast. Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, James Woods, John Hurt, Tom Skerritt, and Angela Bassett. It's the powerhouse. Yeah, and Powerhouse Fickner. lineup. I love seeing Fickner in a, in a film. Yeah, that's Kent, right? Yeah. Her, her friend, right? Her friend, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I don't get too much into him yeah. um, in my notes here. I know he is he is like a really important character, but there's so much to touch on in this movie that to get through it in our time period, I had to cut certain stuff out. I cut his story out. I think like if there's things you want to bring up along the way, if, along the way feel free to because he's such an important character. And actually without him, this movie I think has a lot of holes. Um, but yeah. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to touch a whole lot on him. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, I really like him. He's a great, great, great actor. Now music by 
another one of our dudes, Alan Silvestri. Oh, man. Just, it just hits, man. We're actively trying to make this guy a household name. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's got to be by now. So this movie is based on a 1985 novel from famed astronomer Carl Sagan. Now, it actually started out in 79 as a screenplay for the movie. Yeah. Development for the movie stalled out. And at the time, Sagan published Contact as a book in 85. That's an interesting way of doing things. I haven't really heard that before. No. His wife, Anne, was quoted with saying, Carl's and my dream was to write something that would be a fictional representation of what Contact would actually be like. That would convey something of the true grandeur of the universe. I think it's just, it's so neat that you start out with the movie, like a movie script, like, or or at least developing it for a movie, the idea for a movie. And then, you know, no one's really picking it up. So you write a book, then the book becomes a bestseller. So yeah, now all the studios want to jump right on that uh, movie idea again, because it's a bestseller. People love it. It's, it's a cool idea. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really neat. I like it a lot. You don't really see that type of development usually. Speaking of grandeur of the universe, this movie starts off and we're looking at Earth from a close orbit. And the camera starts to pull back. Some music current to 1997 is playing. And as the camera gets further and further away from Earth, we start to hear older and older radio signals. Yes. Very cool. Tim, this opening rules so hard. It's beautiful. And not not only because of the visual, but also because of that music playing. So we're, we're watching it, we're listening to music, and then the music eventually is gone. And it's just silence. And they're still hitting us with like a minute still, I think, of visuals just pulling back, pulling back in space. I think it's the opposite. I think it's I think it's roughly one minute of audio and then okay. two minutes of nothing. Two minutes of it's nothing. It's so impactful. Yeah. I am so drawn in. Like I am just staring at the screen. Tim, I'm not going to get jujubes and milk. I am staring at the screen. I am so engaged. I can't even imagine if I was in a theater watching this movie, I would have been so amped at this point. I would have been like, oh my goodness. Like at the end of this movie, I'm going to learn about the entire universe. Like I'm going to know everything that happens. Yeah. The first time it just looks like they're trying to do something like cool and stylized. Yeah, Just exactly. to like in- intro the movie. But then by the end of it, you're like, huh? that was amazing. It's like I almost have to, so we've talked about needing to like put books down or, uh, and just sit there or when a movie's done, you just sit there and you're just like staring at the wall. Cause you're trying to like comprehend what you just saw. I had that with the opening of this movie. I'm just like, totally. what? That was like, it was like, I went to the IMAX and watched like nebulas or something. Yeah. Were there even opening credits in this movie? I can't even picture opening credits. Cause that's the time they would have done it, but they didn't. No, that, t- that opening is so solid. I don't remember opening credits at all. That's It's the complete opposite of Mars Attacks, where I didn't even understand what was happening at the beginning. All I was watching was the amazing names fly by the screen. I, I can't even remember if there was opening credits, Tim. I don't think there were. This what a is great how question. you do it. This is how you do an opening. All the producers listening, this is how you do an op- op- This is how you open a movie. Oh, I love it. We should just do an episode on the, the three-minute opening. We could. Double feature. Yeah, double feature. I'll add it to the list. Our double feature list is is quickly getting longer than our normal list. I love it. 
So back on Earth, they set us up to meet a nine-year-old girl, which is the young version of Jodie Foster's character, Ellie. She lives with her father. They have um, a very close relationship. Now, they tell us that the mother has passed away. Um, but I, it's, it's beyond that. Their relationship is beyond that. It's like they're friends. They have a yep. friendship. Um, and it's the way they interact together. It's so loving. Just in a few quick scenes, I'm, I can just see how much love that this daughter and father have for each other. So it was a very, very good job of setting those two characters up. Totally, Tim. I, I had a feeling, I, like they hadn't said it yet. And I just had a feeling that the mom died in childbirth. Like just how tight they were. I was like, this happens because her mom died in childbirth and they just had each other and that's it. Like they were just such close friends that I, I just felt that. I don't know why. We move to a grown-up Jodie Foster here. And she has continued her love for long-distance communication. But instead of working at home on her amateur radio as a child, um, she's now working for SETI, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. We meet Matthew McConaughey here. Uh, his character name is Palmer. He's writing a book about how technology is negatively impacting humanity. He's a priest, a humanitarian. He's hitting on Ellie. And who could resist this guy? Dude, hot priest right here. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. Like, uh, oof, uh, hot stuff. Love, I love McConaughey. Same, love that same dude. Man. I feel like at this point, he doesn't even quite know what he has. Like, it's so early in his career. I don't even know if he knows the weapons he possesses. But he is just so, so smooth in this movie. Like... Oh my goodness. He's so charismatic in this so movie. So charismatic, man. And man, that this dude could act. He yeah. can act. So we get a few scenes building up both of their characters um, and creating a strong connection between the two. Yeah, one of those scenes is they go on a little bit of a date. And Ellie, basically, uh, Ellie's explaining to uh, Palmer, which is McConaughey's character, um, the first time she like kind of fell in love with the stars. And that moment for me is, it, it sells it for me. It sells a relationship. It doesn't matter if they have chemistry for the rest of the movie because that moment sells it for me because she is so, so into the star. She's so into like space and just her love pouring out uh, of like this one thing she is just so into, so obsessed with, it's infectious. And you just can't help but stare at her and just be like, wow, this is so amazing. She just loves this thing so much. And he's, I look at him, he's doing the exact same thing. All he's doing is just looking at her while she's telling the story. He does, he doesn't even have anything to say. He just wants to listen. And I get it in that moment. I'm like, yes, these two, yeah, falling in love. Yeah, for sure. Now, with Ellie's mom already gone, they flash us back to another scene of Ellie when she's nine. And it's where her dad dies of a heart attack. Now, the cinematography in this scene, dude, of her running for her dad's medication, trying to help. Like, whoa. Tim, this is, just, quite, this is quite the trick. Whoa. Whoa. The, mir the mirror trick. So I want to I wanna get into it a little bit here. Yeah. For me, it's not so much what the trick was. Yeah. Um, by the time the trick happens, I'm already just mesmerized by not only what we're visually seeing, but I feel like what it represents, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is overlooked. A lot of people, I think, want to just talk about that trick, which is very cool. But I want to get into what it 
more of like what the scene feels like for me. So for sure, she's running down a hallway towards the camera and we're watching it in slow motion, but the camera is moving back at the same speed that she's moving forward. So it looks like she's not even moving. She's not getting anywhere in this moment of panic. We're seeing this girl almost not even really be able to move. I just think that's so great because that's probably exactly how she felt in that moment. She probably felt like she couldn't get to that medicine cabinet fast enough to get this medicine and to do it in slow motion. Brilliant. It reminded me, um, I'm sure you've had it. I'm sure everybody's had it. These dreams where you try to run away and you can't move. Just nothing happens. You start running as fast as you can and you're not going anywhere. That's like exactly what I got out of this scene. And it was just so impactful. So what what you mentioned about the trick was that when she finally gets to the medicine cabinet, um, it turns out that we're what we're watching is the reflection of the medicine cabinet. We're not watching her coming towards it like we thought we were. We're watching the reflection. But if you're watching the reflection, you should see the camera, right? So that's why we're fooled. And then she's able to grab open, uh, grab the cabinet, open it up. And we realized that it was, we were just watching the reflection. So very, very neat trick. Um, but that, that scene just, it kills me, dude. It kills me. Yeah. Tim, we, uh, when I was watching it with my wife, we, um, you know, I let out a no shit when the, when the trick happened, um, because I was so into the scene, I was so into just how amazing it was. And so then, you know, what makes it amazing, like sort of visually, with the, with the trick happening is that they start at a ground floor and they follow her without a cut up the stairs. So she's running into the camera upstairs. So I'm already like, wow, that's pretty cool that they just like travel up the stairs, smooth camera. They're just on her face. And now we're down the hall, running down the hall. And then all of a sudden we realize it was in the mirror. Like, how the hell is that even possible? We came up the stairs. We started this thing up the stairs. So right away I was thinking that we rewound it. We watched it again. Amazing. But then we paused it and we're like, this is really strange for like probably the biggest trick of the movie to happen in one of the most emotional scenes of the movie. Like I was so crushed in this scene for exactly what you're saying, Tim. You're totally right. It's all about how far that run was and how much she thought, like how it slowed down for her probably in her mind. Just like one more step, get there as fast as I can and I'm just not getting there fast enough. Um, It is... So, so powerful. There's a lot of times in this movie where it was really hitting me. And uh, this is definitely one of the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. This movie hits lots of times. Tim, I may cry in this episode. Yeah? I wouldn't blame you. Maybe. When you explain these things, I'm already trying to choke it down here. That's fine. I've cried at this movie before. I've seen this movie lots of times. I just hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, there was a time. It was probably early 2000s. I I mean, I've probably seen this movie at least 10 times. I mean, there was a, there was a, a moment in time over a few months where I just, that's all I wanted to watch. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this, but Ellie blames herself for not being able to save her dad. Mm-hmm. And we end that flashback with Ellie trying to reach out to her dad on the amateur radio. Man. Ouch. So yeah. Ouch. Um, it hurts. It reminds me of lock and key. When, uh, you know, Bodie goes through the ghost door because he's looking for his father, you know, just Mm. like a child trying to use whatever they have that they don't quite understand to reach their 
um, you know, dead loved ones. And it's she goes yeah. up to the radio and she starts calling to him because she knows she's connected with people so far away that she can't even like her, her brain doesn't even really understand how far away someone is that she connected to. So why not? Why not? Would, wouldn't she be able to connect to him? It is so heartbreaking. So, yeah, so powerful. But but um, also, they already had a conversation about... Yeah. Because uh, she asks if she could reach out through the radio to mom. And I don't remember his exact comment, but I think it's pretty much like, no, we can't. Yeah. Like, that's not possible right now. So for her to immediately go and try to reach out to him just shows you, obviously, how heartbroken she is about this. Like, that's a really so good point. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, she already knew that that wouldn't work and still goes to it. She still um, has to, like, that's her, like, how much of their connect how strong their connection is so and i just think one more thing that's important for later on in the movie is that um she's sitting on her front step and you know a a priest comes up to her and just says like you you know we never know what god's will is um you know it was it was probably just his time and she goes straight to saying actually if i just had the pills in a downstairs cabinet i could have saved him if i just got to the pills faster which brings us back to you know what you're saying about her running to those pills that is such a moment for her that if if she could have just got to them faster she could have saved them science says if i got to those pills faster i would have saved them yeah so we go back to older ellie and her funding has been pulled and if she wants to continue using the radio telescopes that she's been using She's going to need to raise her own funding and move to different telescopes. So we see her at a meeting where she gets very animated. And you mentioned this already, how passionate she gets about this, like looking for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence. She is so passionate about it. This, I believe this is like one of the last steps on her like funding journey. Yeah. And they kind of question her. Uh, her purpose for doing this and she just breaks down and just lets she just be she's just honest at this moment where i can see in other other meetings she's just kind of like going through the motions trying to get funding here she breaks down and she's just like this is why it's important for me and this is why it should be important for you and her passion um gets her the funding for the project yeah, her speech is so great because basically she's trying to communicate with aliens. Like, that's what she's trying to do, and that's what she wants funding for. And they're like, sounds like science fiction. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, fly an airplane. That sounds like science fiction. Go to the moon. That once sounded like science fiction. Fiction Like, it sounds like science fiction until you do it, until you get it yeah. done. It is fiction. So that's it was a great speech. And Jodie Foster, I mean, we, we don't need to, like, obviously she just absolutely kills this. She is absolutely incredible and so good at just sort of like the capable character like the person that you know is just the best at their job yeah i I mean i know jodie foster such an incredible job everybody did such an incredible job in this movie i as i'm going through it this time i catch myself being offended that this movie didn't get the like the academy nods that i think it should have now I, I'm a firm believer that the Academy Awards are nonsense. Like I've heard people like, I think Dennis Leary went on record by saying when he was part of the Academy, he would first vote for family, then he'd vote for friends, then he'd vote for acquaintances, and then he'd vote for whoever's left. So yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but, but at the same time, like there's some recognition that goes along with that. And I, I wanted to know why this movie wasn't better recognized. And I uh, did some research, and unfortunately, this movie came out the same year as a little film called uh, Titanic did. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, so, 1997. Uh, Titanic yeah. kind of crushed. So I've yeah. never seen Titanic. Um, I never will. Um, People little, clown little, on Titanic, man. Little nugget movies, for you there. Movie's I'm great. just not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Okay. Movie's great. It may be. I'll, I'll never know. Yeah. I guess I can take your word for you. Do I believe you? No. I feel like you would love it. Specifically, I feel like you would love it. <laughs> I might, but I've come this far without seeing it. It's fair. I don't hey, know. that's fair. The yeah, th- here's it. the thing is that after all this time, okay, first of all, I boycotted it because of how big it was. I was like, yeah. ma- mainstream things back at that time were an automatic turnoff for me. So if it was mainstream, I was not interested. Yeah. I was more interested in, in B movies or independent movies. So I didn't watch it for that reason. Now I've come so far. If I was to watch it now and not like it, I'd feel like I let myself down to totally. the ultimate yeah. degree. So I cannot watch it. I will not watch it. It's not worth it. And yeah. I don't have to watch it. No. So there. Unless, what if a listener requested that we do Titanic, a re-review Titanic? I would be so on board with it. <laughs> I'd have to, it, would be, it would be you you and Brian. You and Brian. Me and Brian. I could do an app with Brian on Titanic. Yeah. Brian loves it, by the way. He can't stop talking about Titanic. Can Brian watch movies? Uh, he like uh, he like reads them the way that you would read the Matrix. Okay, okay, true. We he he reads the script. <laughs> <laughs> it's all uh, I transcribe it's all ones it for and zeros, him. Tim. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna yeah. say I transcribe it for in ones and zeros for him. Uh, um, a great character in this movie, Doctor Drumlin, comes into play here. He seems hell-bent on ruining Ellie's career. Drumlin, Dean. Drumlin, for me, is is the Prince Humperdinck of this movie. Who Who is Drumlin? Is that James Woods? Uh, no, it's Tom Skerritt's character. Oh, oh, of course. Yes, of Dr. course. Dr. David yes. Drumlin. He's the Humperdinck, for sure. He's the Humperdinck of the movie. He is the Humperdinck of the movie. But, Tim, like you said about Humperdinck, great leader. <laughs> oh, great leader? Yeah, great leader. Yeah. And very charismatic, very horrible person, you know, great leader, horrible person. I feel like he wants to murder everybody. But <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So even though Ellie has secured this funding, Drumlin has power, and he still gets her time on the telescopes pulled. So she has three more months to use the satellites, and then that's it. She's done. This guy's out to get her. Hates her. Yeah, hates her. I found it interesting here that while we're watching Ellie's career kind of struggling and failing, they counter it with Palmer, who's actually being super successful. His career has skyrocketed in the other direction. So yes, very interesting. interesting because I'm not sure you, if you mentioned this, but uh, they kind of parted ways. I did not mention that. Yes. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Good point. They did part ways. They had a real nice connection early, parted ways. Ellie... Um, Ellie didn't want to get invested in in anything. Palmer was on board. Ellie was not. So they went their separate ways. So this satellite array that Ellie's working at, the shots, the camera shots of her, like listening to these telescopes in the desert with these giant telescopes in the background. I I, I love, I just love it. I can't Mm -hmm. stop looking at it. I love them. I love a like field of like something technology like i love a field of like windmills or a field of satellites i don't know what it is it just it looks so strange it's like a bunch of people built these giant things in this field yeah and they're all here i i love that visual i'm with you man 
I like the drive out to your place because you go past a field of windmills. Yes, really I was cool. actually I was actually going to mention that, but I didn't know if that would play at all. Yes, we I drive past a field of windmills um, sometimes yeah. when I go into when I come to your place. Yeah, it's really neat. Now this is a real place in New Mexico. It's called the VLA, or Very Large Arrays. Yeah, so it's a real. I would place. love I would love to go to this place, man. And oh yeah. just like check it out. Oh, I just. It seems so powerful. Just this yeah. this place. Anybody uh, out there who just wants to kind of visualize this, just just search um, very large array. Uh, that should be enough. And my goodness, is it? It's captivating. It's very it's very amazing. cool. Um, now in one of these amazing shots of her just sitting there quietly listening, she picks up a very strong and bizarre signal. And the signal itself, dude, gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. Yes, I can man. hear it in my head right now. It's like you hear it in your head and then it like ruminates through your body. Like I can feel like I can feel what it does. It's so cool. Um, it's so cool. That that sound is actually a slightly altered clip of Doctor Who's TARDIS powering up from the 1963 series. Oh my goodness, that makes total sense. I have uh, I have started to watch some Doctor Who, and that is, that totally makes sense. That actually sounds exactly like it. Now that you say that, oh my goodness, I'm gonna tell it to my wife. She's gonna lose her mind. She loves Doctor Who. Dude, I thought that was a cool. Uh, That's a cool very cool. There. That's very cool. Only from the '63, the '63 series. Yeah, I feel like it sounds similar throughout. So sure. um, it, it might not be exact of the things that we've watched, but it, I think right. it's very yeah, it's very similar. Cool. Um, so this signal, she gets the signal, I freak out and then she freaks, then she freaks out. And then this starts, um, this incredible scene of filmmaking for me. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I'm for, I don't even understand how they did it. I'm on the edge of my seat through this whole scene because of a simple radio signal they picked up. Yeah. Like it could, it couldn't be a more boring idea that they have somehow, like they've just got me on the edge of my seat this whole time. This is the most exciting scene and I have no idea what's really going on. It's just, they heard a signal. It's yeah. like earlier in the movie, they heard a signal yeah. and it wasn't a big deal. Now they've heard another signal and it's just all hell breaks loose. Uh, Ellie and her team are frantically trying to re- record it. They're trying to figure out where the signal's coming from. Um, they realize uh, at one point that the signal is sending prime numbers. Like they kind of count oh through like um, Morse code that it's sending prime numbers. They realize it's coming from a system called Vega, but the system is too young to have intelligent life. So what's up with that? Um, so there's this ton of excitement going on and a lot of confusion. And yeah. those two things together are very, very interesting and I, I just, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. It's so exciting, Tim. She's she, like, she's out at the uh, satellite and she has to, when she hears it, she wants to get back to the equipment. So she has to get in her car. She has to drive. She's on the radio yelling things. Uh, the people that are in the, um, in, in the room with all the equipment are yelling things back at her. They're, they're, they're checking things. They're turning on computers. Everything's so exciting. I have no clue what, what they're saying. All I could yeah, pick right. up from this, <laughs> all I could pick up from this whole scene, um, like also they're they're following the camera on ellie like amazing like she's running upstairs again and we're following her clean cut from her getting from the car 
upstairs into um, her office or like the room with all the equipment. And it's it's kind of similar to when she's running up the stairs, you know, to get the, the pills for her dad. It's again, it's just follows her. No cuts at all. Looks amazing. They're thrown around all this jargon that I don't understand at all. All I get is that they checked to make sure that the signal was coming from outer space, that the signal was not coming from anywhere else on Earth. They got that. They confirmed that. And then they confirmed that it's sending prime numbers, which means it is a smart signal. Someone is intentionally doing that. You can't just randomly replicate prime numbers without knowing what math is. So that was so exciting. And it's so exciting for them as characters because they're, they're doing these progressions. Okay, yes, we know the signal coming from space. We know the signal is intelligent. Oh, it is so perfect. It's, it, for me, it's yeah. like the peak of the excitement in the movie. And their funding is about to run out. Well, no, they're, yes. they're, they're, they still have funding, but their time on the satellite is about to run out because they're not getting anything. They're not yeah. getting anywhere, right? So it's it's so important for them. Oh, my goodness. Now, the scene's amazing. They find out that the signal has been transmitting for 26 years as well. That's how long it took for the signal to get from Vega to them, 26 yes, years. Yes, exactly, exactly. Because they said they've looked at that um, system before and heard yeah. nothing before. and. She said basically like, well, it's been it's been transmitting for 26 years. It just it just finally got to it us. Just, just landed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just shows why her work is so important, because you could have looked at something for so long and it just wasn't quite sending a signal back like the signal wasn't getting to you yet. You know, like her yeah. work still needs to happen, even though you haven't heard anything yet. Mm. Now, James Woods shows up here as Agent Kitts. Now, because of what's happened because they found this signal potentially of intelligent life you obviously have this military presence that comes into play and they quickly start to discover there's a lot more to this message than meets the eye this is where kent um has has a big part to play here uh they slowly start to uncover more and more hidden layers in this message and it all culminates with them finding thousands of pages of text hidden in a video signal. Cool. Now, they don't know how to decode it, though. They've got all this information. They don't know what to do with it. I really love the shift in the movie here because we've gone from Ellie and her small team of three to now being this huge project with the military involved. The The president mm-hmm. is involved. His advisors are involved. There's a whole bunch more staff the, uh, the Australians are involved because they're on the other side of the planet. So if you've got you know, Australians and the Americans, you can follow the signal 24 seven. Right? Very cool. Yeah. Uh, people have flooded the location um, like, like it's Woodstock. You've got people who are for the project. You've got people who are against the project. It's just, it's gone from so small scale to just, it's erupted like a volcano into this gigantic thing. Yeah. And it's and it just happened like like that. It just, they got the signal and then all of a sudden it's all this stuff happening. So I really enjoyed that. It's just, it's like, it's like we, it's like we just get on the ride here. Like you've, yeah. the first bit is paying your admission and now we're on the ride and it's really yeah. exciting. That's true. Yeah. It's like we're on the roller coaster and we're just going on the up right now. Like we're just, we're just getting up the big hill. Um, it's at this point in the movie um, and I think Zemeckis is pretty good at this, where I'm like, is this a true story? 
<laughs> is oh, this, yeah. Is this based on a true story right now? <laughs> like, Good point, yeah. Did we actually have contact with aliens? It seems so realistic, this. right? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It just seems so realistic. It seems like this is what happened, and they're just telling, like, a, a, a great story about it and highlighting certain people. But, it like, it just feels so real. Yeah. Which I guess is what the book Contact is about. It's about, like, a realistic approach to how it might be to contact aliens. Ellie eventually receives an email at home, then a phone call, then a fax, all regarding these thousands of pages that they've discovered. Right. She gets picked up by a helicopter and then flown to a private jet where she meets the man who's been funding her all this time. And his name is S.R. Haddon. And Haddon says that they've cracked the code. So a lot of like, a lot of exciting moments around Haddon here dude in this movie Haddon appearing in this movie is john hurt too which is awesome friggin john hurt so now we have two alien alums in the movie yeah dude yeah we do john hurt never looks like john hurt like he's just so good at acting that he just never looks like himself you know he never looks like a different role he's played for me he's like it's wow he just like embodies these characters and this character is so great this introduction of this sort of Rich guy who, okay, so the first thing that's said to Ellie as she gets on the plane to meet him is that he doesn't land for just anybody. And I'm like, he doesn't land for anybody? Does this dude live on a plane? That was my joke. And then she gets up there and it's like, oh, this dude lives on a plane. <laughs> like He actually yeah. lives on a plane and flies around so that nobody knows where he is. Oh, I just love it. I, I love this character. I love uh, Hurt playing him. Great addition to the movie. I think he also lives on the plane um, because he likes to be at high yeah. atmosphere because yeah. he's sick. And the, I guess the high atmosphere slows down cellular degradation, I think was what they were saying. Yeah, also very true. Yeah. Haddon says that all they needed to do to crack the code was look at these pages in 3D space uh, as an alien would. Now, personally here, I like to think that aliens would be way past 3D at this point. They'd be onto something far more like fascinating than 3D. So yeah. that 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 didn't it worked for me at the t- in 97 it worked for me. Now it doesn't really work for me. Like a, an alien I don't think would be thinking in 3D. They'd be thinking in something beyond that even. So just a small 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 beef, small beef. They've decoded the message and it turns out to be schematics for a transport device. A transport de- out of all the things it could have been, a yes. transport device is so cool. And I love the steps we take to get there. I think that's what is just like really interesting for like to keep they, engaged. They don't know what they're uncovering. They're just yeah. like, what is this? We don't know. It's a number of steps. It's not just like, here's uh, what we are giving you. It's like you have to prove yourself almost. But, you know, it's you, you get the signal that's just audio. Then you pull out the video. Then at, through the video, you find these pages. You have to realize that you have to put the pages in, in sort of a 3D um, in a way to make a cube. Then you have to learn what true and false means out of that because they've given you some sample equations. And then after you figured that out, you can then pull out the pages to make a machine. It's just, I love these steps. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Now, Palmer um, comes back into the picture again here as a religious consultant for the president. 
And he is one of the people on the board to decide who gets to take a ride on this machine. Ellie's a contender, but that son of a bitch, uh, Prince Humperdinck, is as well. <laughs> he totally is. Of, of course. Why of wouldn't course. Drumlin also be like of course. a part of it? And apparently he quit his like awesome job just to be a contender. What an asshole. I feel like just because he knew Ellie was going to get selected. Yeah, he's... You know what? Why does he hate Ellie so much? This whole this whole movie is full of like, you know, your boss kind of taking all the credit for what you've done, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, so I think. Well, it's I just mean, definitely that. from this guy, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's just the theme here, or like almost even like Ellie gets shushed so many times in this movie. It is just like so annoying for us because we know she's just the smartest person in this movie, and it's like just listen to her. She knows what she's talking about. Like, she was the first person to say that this this was going to be a transport and they're just like, oh, she shut found up. the signal. Yeah. And yeah. they're just like, shut up. It's not gonna be a transport. It's going to be something else. There's no way it's a transport. And then they, you know, they figure it out and they're just, yeah, they're always trying to take credit for her work when it's right. And they're always trying to just push her aside when they think it's wrong. So I think, yeah, I think Scarrett is just in like, he's just the boss who's taking all the credit. Now by bringing Palmer back into the movie here, we haven't mentioned it, but a definite major theme, probably the biggest theme of this movie, is science versus religion. So yes. as he comes back, they start to rev this up again, the science yeah. versus religion. And Ellie brings up a point while uh, she's talking to Palmer. And she says, if God existed, why wouldn't he leave proof of himself? Ellie says that for her, she needs proof. Palmer asks her if she loved her father. She says, yes, very much. And Palmer says, prove it. And she's kind of like, she doesn't have an answer. She's like kind yeah. of taken aback, uh, which is a very good counterpoint to mm -hmm. that question. But we all think Ellie is going to get selected as the one to take a ride on this transport machine, which looks absolutely amazing, by the way. It's built yep. now. Holy crap, does it look cool. It looks incredible. And I love it that no amazing. one knows what it's going to do. They're just Nobody like, knows okay, it. we built a machine. We did it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. They don't even know like what's going to happen. They don't know they don't what's know, going like, to when happen. They, when they press the on button, they have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. They're like, they is just... it going to shoot up into space? No idea. <laughs> they they think that there's they, there's this pod that the person is supposed to get into. Yeah. And then the pod gets dropped into the middle of these three giant rings oh. that are going to be Looks doing cool. something. Yeah. And they think this pod's going to get shot somewhere. They're, yeah. they're expecting the pod to get sent flying out. That's the launched, one thing yeah. they say that they think is going to happen. They think it's going to go somewhere. So um, Drumlin is the one who gets chosen, though, not Ellie. Surprise, surprise. Well, and he gets chosen. He gets chosen because he feeds the council what they want to hear, which exactly, is that yeah. he wants to represent religion to the aliens because that's what like 90% of the world believes in a God. So that needs to be a representation, which Ellie does not. She could not, she wants to be truthful in her interview. And she was asked um, by Palmer, by Matthew McConaughey's character, if she believes in God and she could not say yes. She just, she needs facts. That's her, that's what, what she's all about. She's all about science. She needs the facts and she couldn't say, yes, I believe in God. So that is why she did not get it. And, and uh, um, Tom Skerritt's character did. Drumlin. Yeah. And Drumlin, he, um, yeah. he takes the moment 
to rub it in as well. A For sure. Later. Yeah. He could just left it alone, but no. he still rubs it and he needles her. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, um, I like what you did there by being honest, but, uh, you know, this isn't an ideal, uh, idyllic, uh, world. So, you know, in, in so many words, he's basically saying like, I did what I had to do to go. Yeah. I'm sorry that your honesty wasn't rewarded, but that's not the way the world goes. Like you should have known better. And it's just like, that, this dude, man, Tim, <laughs> he's something like, special in this movie. It's man. such a fucking Prince Humperdinck he's, moment. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's Prince Humperdinck, man. He <laughs> You're is. right there. You're right he on is. the nose there. I got a hot take on uh, on him. <laughs> yeah, man. And his ultimate plan was to murder Ellie. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. We'll see if we get there. I'll probably forget. I forget to talk about that later, but. <laughs> so Ellie is at the control center. As they're getting ready to do a test launch. Okay, so she's still involved in the center, but she's not on the machine, which is like a couple miles away. Now she's watching the monitors and she notices that a religious fanatic that has popped up a couple times so far in this movie is on the machine with Drumlin at the test. And she recognizes him, she warns them. This guy's got a bomb on him, but the guy's able to detonate it. And the whole transport machine is destroyed. And man, what an explosion this was. Totally. These rings were already powering up and spinning around. And this pod explodes and gets dropped at the wrong time into these rings. It hits one ring, which hits another ring. This whole transport starts to break down. Um, the, The... people watching just like picture any rocket launch um from nasa where the people are like miles away these pieces of debris are coming and smashing towards the people uh wow so destructive was that ever well done it was well done it looks great it is yeah so devastating um the religious zealot um played by uh busey yeah jake 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 busey and like this guy Basically, his role is that he's in a couple scenes. He maybe has one line, but he needs to stand out by just his face. He needs to be recognizable. He needs to be recognizable by his face looking like your nightmare. Like his face just needs to look like your nightmares. And we are going to recognize him. And Ellie's going to recognize him by just seeing him like on a on a screen, which she does. Man, does that is that such good casting? Like, I don't even really think Jake Busey. Like, when I, when I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, cool, that's Jake Busey. I'm not like that's Satan. Like, he doesn't look scary to me. He just looks like I, I like I like the Buseys. So I get excited yeah. when Jake Busey's on screen. But in this movie, he looks so terrifying, man. He looks like the thing of nightmares. Yeah, it's his hair. Nobody has hair like that. Yeah, it's the blonde, like, long, long hair. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like. It's even more so almost white than blonde. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Oh, man. His eyes. He just like, he nails this part. He nails like just the oh, stare. Totally. Oh, my goodness. So all is lost here. Yeah. Machines, well, the machine is destroyed. The, the machine is destroyed. Took, who it's knows gone. how long they took to build this? Millions of dollars, billions of dollars, maybe trillions of dollars they needed to build this machine. Um, it's gone. Destroyed. Yeah. Ellie is super down in the dumps. I'm super down in the dumps and her, her chance at answering all of her questions is gone. So she goes home, she goes inside, but there's a new TV there 
It's mm. hooked up to a computer, which is hooked up to a satellite. So we know who this is. <laughs> we definitely know who this is. Mr. Haddon's up to something again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? Um, he's on the Mir space station. And he lets Ellie know that two transport machines were built. Amazing. And I'm machine. so pumped here, dude. I'm getting chills. I'm jumping out of my seat. I'm fist pumping in the air. There's two. They built two machines. Tim. The, you mean the movie can go on? We can keep going? This is a note, a note to filmmakers out there. This will always work on me. If you spend years and so much money to make a giant machine and it gets broken, and you tell me they made one in secret? They made another one in secret? I am always on board. Always on board with that. (laughs) I love Haddon's line. He's like, why build one? It was something like, why why would you build one when you could build two at twice the cost? (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Something like that. Great, great. (laughs) And then his final line to her is, want to take a ride? (laughs) Yes. 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 I'm on. I want to take a ride. I'm going. Hurt you rule. I'm packing yes. Ellie's bag. I'm it's helping great. her out. Well, also, I don't know if I don't I don't know if you mentioned, but Drumlin died in that explosion. So he, I didn't mention is, that. Yeah, he died. Yeah, so he is no longer the candidate to go because he's he died in that explosion because he was so close to um he he was on he was on it basically. He's so on when the bomb, that yeah. yeah when that explosion happened he died. So she's the next in line. You can't really kill the devil though. So we you can't sure really. He, I'm sure he ah, continues interesting. on. Interesting. He yeah. continues on in yeah. He shows up his, in contact his human too. form. His human form is gone. Right, right. But his entity <laughs> still survives. Of pure evil. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Continues pure on. evil. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that's the very next thing I wanted to say here. Ellie gets chosen to go. Now, the night before she goes, Palmer pays her a visit, and he tells her that he didn't vote for her the first time because he didn't want to lose her. So that's very sweet, but also a really dick move, man. It's a, dude, <laughs> like, it's a he's, fucking he's dick move. <laughs> playing with her career. It's a huge dick move. That's a yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad he you made, see it that way because that's yeah, a huge. He dick made move. her look bad. Not only did he not vote for her, but he made her. He knew the question that would make everyone yeah. else not vote for her, and he asked her. Exactly. He made her look yeah. bad because he slept with her one time. It's not like these two date or anything. Like one time they had a great night. I mean, they're obviously both into each other. Like, it is very clear that Ellie is into him and it's very clear that he's into her. But, like, come on, dude. Dick move. Dick move. Yeah, dude. So we're ready for launch. Ellie's going to go. She's going to go on the machine. We're all set. Jeez, how amped are you right now? Dude, like, I can't get any more amped. I can't get any more amped. Shut up. Shut up. How amped am I? (laughs) I'm as amped as you were. Yeah, man. I'm (laughs) I'm all the way amped. So amped. All the dials are cranked to the top. <laughs> yes, exactly. All the equalizer, the all the equalizers are at the top. I don't even know if that makes a sound better, but they're all at the top for me. The, they're all there. They're they're maxed out. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was another really interesting feel that we're getting here because the first launch was a big ordeal, right? Like there's tons of people mm-hmm. around. There's yeah. hundreds of people. There's lots of people on board helping out um, at the actual pod. There's the, like all the systems team and everything. 
But this second transport was built in secrecy so that just in case something that happened in the first one happened, they have a second one in secrecy that they can carry out this um, launch with. So what we get is far different. There are two people um, with Ellie on Mm, that transport. There are two security guards. There's nobody else around. It is quiet. It is calm. All you hear is the machine. It's dark. It's very, very different vibe. And I mean, I I completely realize why they did it. Like you need that to show the power of this machine. I feel like at this point in the movie, this machine now becomes a character because we get to see how ominous of a machine it is. And they want us to feel that. They want us to feel that. Like as she's walking up to the pod down this like metal ramp and you can see underneath her these giant rings spinning and the sound that those rings are making spinning is so eerie. Just like it all actually to me feels, feels very alien here now. Totally. Yeah. Where the first one didn't, this feels very alien. Well, and in, with, with the first one, we were going to do a test. Like the test had a robot in it. So it was going to just test if the machine works. Um, it didn't have, uh, you know, it didn't have Tom Skerritt sitting in, in that machine. It was just going to yep. be a robot that they can test it and see if it works. That didn't work because they blew it up. So they didn't even get to test it. And now it's like, well, we got to immediately get to launch because if someone figures out about this, they might come with a bomb again. You know, something might happen. So we got to just do it now. Um, no test. And it's really Ellie putting faith in the machine. I mean, she's she's putting faith in you know, something she received from the alien, the plans she received. Yep. But as she's walking out and we see that machine underneath and it, you're right. It is kind of scary. It's kind of it like a monster in itself. Scary. You're just going to step into a pod that is going to be dropped into this monster's mouth is what it seems like to me. Like she's, she's just going to, she could be just stepping into her death. She could be walking the plank right now just to jump off the boat into her death. Um, it's, it's, it's very powerful right here that it is, you can see like how scared she is and and you can, you can feel that fear. There has been no tests. She is just going to do it and put her faith in this machine. Yep. This movie did get nominated for an Academy Award for best sound, which is an amazing, amazing part of the movie. Yeah. Um, definitely. Whenever I hear these rings, when I hear that signal coming in. Oh my goodness. There's so many different little things in, in that just, ugh. and it's something you don't, something you don't focus on all that much is sound or like sound mixing and stuff like that. Um, it's tough to really comprehend what for all sure. that does yeah. for a movie if you're not involved in that side of it. But in this movie, I mean, you can tell how important sound is in this one. I mean, and, and as, as it should be right, they're listening for signals from another planet, from intelligent totally. life. Why wouldn't you focus so much effort on sound in this movie? It makes so much sense. So they buckle Ellie into a safety chair in the pod. They put a camera on her head and they close the pod. And when the pod closes, like when the door closes, the seal of where the door and the pod meet disappears. Yeah. It becomes like like there's no gap like there's no seal anymore there's no separation yeah i mean holy crap (laughs) that's more just that's more alien stuff that i'm feeling i'm just like okay this thing yeah that's not normal i've never seen that happen before when you close your car door it doesn't like seal from the inside you know (laughs) to like make this seamless like 
It's so cool. She's just sitting there trying to keep her cool. She's just look at looks at it and it's like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, no problem. Cool. It's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So we are gonna go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We are gonna All take right. a ride here. It looks like. <laughs> um, now, as they rev this machine up higher and higher and higher, the chair starts to shake. It starts to kind of violently shake. Yeah. And the floor starts to become translucent, and she cool. can like see the rings beneath her, even though she's yeah. in this like contained pod. That's scary, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. They also start to lose um, the signal with her, so they're having trouble communicating over right. the radio. Right. Um, as it's getting amped up, we get to see the machine kind of from a pulled back view. And dude, there's lights blasting out of this thing. Like they're at like 80%, and this thing looks like it's just bright white with energy yeah. bursting out of the center. It looks like they've like already opened up some sort of massive energy portal. It, it's very cool, yeah. It's great. So they launch the pod, which consists of them just dropping Ellie's pod from above into the rings. And like we mentioned before, they're just kind of expecting this pod to fall and these rings to like shoot it out somewhere. Right. Yeah. It drops. And from Ellie's point of view, she gets dropped into a wormhole. Mm -hmm. And she is, (laughs) she's blasting through space. Awesome. And going through all sorts of different vortexes and tunnels. She's blasting past galaxies. Um, she's going from like one wormhole to another. She's going yeah. up and down like a roller coaster. Every so often it would stop and she'd just look out. She could see out the side of the pod and see some beautiful like celestial body. And then she'd get sucked back into this wormhole and keep going. My goodness, man. It's so... It's incredible. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so great. Um, It's... At at times, it's like a little bit violent because she's shaking so much in her chair. And at times, it's so smooth and beautiful. It's just a... It's such a great... It's it's one of those things that I love about sci-fi movies when they decide... I mean, we talked about it in uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. When they decide that they're just going to show us a bunch of space stuff. And they're just going to mm. take their time to show us something beautiful in space. And I feel like this is one of those moments where we're going to take a little bit of time to travel through space. But you know what? You're you're going to love it because these visuals are going to be great. Yep. And her chair has been causing these major vibrations, which is a really cool thing because they added the chair in. The chair yep. wasn't part of the design. They yep. added that in afterwards. And now all of a sudden, that's the thing that's making everything vibrate so much. Yeah. So... She unbuckles herself from this chair and then just starts floating so peacefully. Yeah. All the vibrations are gone. Everything is just smooth. Where where there was like a lot of anxiety for me ahead of that because of how violent this chair is going and how much it's shaking. And you can hear it shaking. And um, as soon as she unbuckles herself, the shaking's gone. It's just peaceful. Yeah. It's like it's everything's at peace now, like the way it, it should should have been in the first place. That's yeah. a that, I thought that was a really cool idea. It's, it's fantastic, in. and I just wanted to say one thing about this unbuckling because she unbuckles herself because she has dropped this little compass um, yeah. that um, Palmer has given her, and this. So from the beginning of when they first met, the first time they met, he pulled it out of a Cracker Jack box, a little compass, and he gave it to her and she gives it back to him during the movie. They they change it back and forth. And these two people who have very different views 
but are very into each other. Like they, they like each other, but they just know that they, they come from different places and they have very different views. They think the other person always needs the compass. They think, I know what I'm doing. You need the compass. You need to find your way. So they keep giving it back and forth to each other. And it's it, when we get to this part where she has been given it last by Palmer and she kind of drops it and it's just floating in the pod. And that's when she decides to unbuckle herself from the chair and go out to get it. I think that's her taking sort of her, you know, change to believing in faith, maybe even her leap of faith. She's deciding that, like, maybe I do need the compass. You know, maybe I'm not so sure about everything that's going to happen in this moment. Maybe it's good that I have this right now. I'm going to unbuckle myself from this chair, I'm even though it's so violent right now, and I'm going to float out and I'm going to make sure that I have this little compass. Mm, that is, that's an excellent point. That I've never thought about that before. Uh, I like that. I always kind of just considered it was a way to bring Palmer with her on this yeah. journey, but that makes a lot of sense that, yeah, that's like, yeah, nice, nice, man. I like that. Tim, I just thought about that right now. Well, that's what happens in these discussions. That's we what happens. Like, we get yeah. to places. We get there. We've decoded a couple of comic books just by discussing it. For sure. So during one of these slowdowns and like um, Ellie looking out the pod it's weird because she just shines her flashlight on the wall and that like opens it up so you can see outside it's really cool but she sees some sort of she calls it a celestial event now this whole time she's still talking to her radio right because she thinks they can still hear her or it's recording i loved what she said here she just looks at she looks at it she's like there's i'm witnessing some sort of celestial event and she says they should have sent a poet which was so beautiful to me um, that is, yeah, that, I, that is a beautiful moment. It, it seems like the, it seems like the pod lands somewhere. So we see Ellie floating down to an indescribably beautiful beach. Mm-hmm. The waves are flowing backwards. The leaves on the palm trees are blowing upwards. Um, the shadows are like rapidly changing their directions. There's no sun in the sky. And dude, all I remember every time I see this scene is I can feel how warm it is there. I just oh, yeah, I man. feel the warm breeze blowing across my face. They just do such a great job with this uh, this beach, whatever this beach that yeah. we're on. I just, oh man, I love it. Um, some sort of an entity starts moving towards her. Mm-hmm. and morphs into her father and like her reaction to him was so sweet she sounded like she was nine again just the way that she said yeah she calls him dad or daddy or something and it just sounded like i wouldn't be surprised if it was the the nine-year-old sound clip that they put in there i'm not totally. sure I'd, yeah probably not but i wouldn't be surprised if it was just how sweet like the love in her voice sounded to see him again he says he misses her and wishes he could be there for her um she says he's not real that none of this is real and he says they thought this would make things easier for her yeah he says she contacted them and they were just listening they didn't build the transit system and they don't know who did. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. 
just even telling us that there's way more to the universe. You know, you contacted one species of alien and there is so much more. They don't even know who made the device. They just passed on the schematics. You know, it's yeah. it, the universe is huge. Yeah. He tells Ellie that humans are an interesting species, an interesting mix. He says we're capable of such beautiful dreams and such horrible nightmares mm -hmm. that we feel so lost, so cut off, so alone, only we're not. I have always loved that line at this time in the movie. Yeah. It is such, this is, I think for me, this is the best line in the movie. Like when this is delivered, how it's delivered, the buildup to this being delivered and like really how accurate it is for humanity. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm always just taken aback when I, when I hear this one in the movie. This is, this is one of the, I think this is one of the keys to the movie that gets a little bit overlooked maybe. Um, and I think I'm with you, Tim, this line hits so hard for me. It reminded me of a few other um, sci-fi movies, uh, sci-fi thinkers that I've liked in the past um, that uh, sort of, are trying to teach you that yeah we're reaching but let's also look around look at look at everyone who's on your planet um we're reaching for aliens and you know and 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 life outside but it you know there's people around us that we can get that comfort from as well um which i think is a, a big part of this scene i think this scene absolutely rules i think just the you know jody foster like ellie and her father in this moment, they're both going through, like they're both doing something. Um, they're both kind of flipping back and forth where her father is being her father, but then also being the alien species because it's just representing her father. But then you'll have these little sweet moments where he says like, you have your mother's hands. And it's like, okay, he's being the father. You know, he kind of flips yeah. back and forth between being her father and explaining things as the alien. And she has to flip back and forth between this is my father. Oh, no, wait, it's not. It's aliens. And I know it's aliens because, you know, I, I have the scientific mind. But also, this is the one person I've wanted to see for so long. And they're right in front of me. And I, like when she hugs him and, and when she's holding his hand, you feel that. You feel that love coming off of her. Like she, like in that moment, she's just, she's seeing her father again. You know, she's she's seeing someone she hasn't seen in so long. The only person she wants to see ever again she gets to see them but she has to also try to convince herself that it's not him it's an amazing scene and i think jodie foster plays it so incredible like i get all those emotions from her i get that yep. she's so into it but also that she's trying to just like tell herself no it's not real it's not actually him oh mm. man the scene rules love it yeah it does rule it's a it's a excellent excellent scene i couldn't have imagined like anything better no to be honest with you Absolutely. Like, as she's traveling through the pod and, and like through the wormholes and stuff like that, there's no way I can even come up with like, like this isn't quite the ending, but an, an, an ending sequence. Yeah. I think this is the sequence that people had beef with. I know. I can't think of anything no. better. I don't no. get it. This is, it's so pure. It's so true to the movie. Like, I don't know if people thought that you're going to get a big, like, I don't know, like you're going to meet a civilization of green men or something like that. Or like, I don't know what people were expecting here, but this was so perfect for the movie. I don't need anything. This is what I want. I want this, yep. like, this is the perfect ending for this movie. 
anyways, he, he tells her it's time to go. It's, it's only been a couple seconds. Like they've been talking yeah. for a few seconds and he's already telling her it's time to go. And he says in time, um, they'll take more steps. Like earth will take more steps. Yeah. This is the first step. This is the first step. This is how it's been done for billions of years. It's fascinating. And then we see Ellie's pod land into the net back at the transport machine. So, holy crap. What an exciting story Ellie has for everybody back on Earth, right? Yeah, great. Yeah, so much stuff happened. (laughs) Unfortunately, they're telling her (laughs) that they're trying to figure out what caused the malfunction. And she doesn't understand what they're talking about. She wants to know how long she was gone for. For sure, yeah. Which is a cool line to throw in there because usually when people travel through time or something like that, you lose like 50, Mm -hmm. 100, 200 years. Like, that's a great first question. Like, how long was I gone for? Or like, what what time, what year is it? Um, Yeah. They tell her the pod went straight through the IPV, which is what they call the machine. It went straight through. Nothing happened. And we see the footage. We see footage of just her pod being released and dropping straight through and just falling into the water. Yeah. Uh, we cut to her um, getting debriefed about an hour later and her camera only recorded static. And exactly like you say, they have camera footage of it going straight through top to bottom. They tell her nothing happened and she's very shocked. She just, she doesn't get it. So they organize a full on inquiry into this. So we're in like a courtroom now. Yeah. Ellie explains she believes a wormhole was opened and she felt like she was gone for 18 hours. And Kitts, James Wood's character, in, for me, possibly his greatest moment of acting in this scene, he destroys it for me. I loved it. Totally. Mad. He asks her a great question. He says, mm-hmm. why would the aliens go to all this trouble bring her tens of thousands of light years away just to send her home without a single shred of proof. That is the exact same thing that she asked Palmer to explain to her about God. So I loved that full circle. I love it. He, he asked her why would, yeah, or she asked why would God build, like create everything and not show himself. And Kitts is asking her, why would the aliens take you all the way there and not show themselves? Yeah. It was great. It's so good. Tim, it flips it on her and it kind of flips it on everybody. Like everybody's flipped because they wanted to send someone to represent the earth because the earth is 90% has faith in something. And they want to, you know, they want to present that to the aliens. And now that she comes back and doesn't have any proof, everyone's like, where's the proof? <laughs> you know, it flips it on them. It flips it on her. It, it's such a good ending. It's so good. Yeah. So Kitts brings up a hypothesis of his own. He thinks that SR Haddon was behind the whole thing. Mm. And he makes a very compelling case for it. Mm-hmm. He asks Ellie, after trillions of dollars were spent and lives were lost, are they all just supposed to take her word on faith? And she concedes as a scientist that yes, it possibly didn't happen, but she can't tell them that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. She said she had an experience she felt was real and she was given a gift that changed her. 
and she walks out of that courtroom with Palmer and Palmer is questioned by a reporter and he says that he for one believes her. Yeah. Now we, we get a final scene here with Kit's talking to Rachel, which is Angela Bassett's character, another character we didn't really get into. Oh, and she's so Fantastic good. job on the movies. Angela she, Bassett. She's like the so main good. presidential advisor. Yeah. So good. My goodness. Kitz wants to know what they do now. And Rachel says they should give Ellie a grant. And Rachel is very interested in a section of the classified records, the part where Ellie's camera recorded static for approximately 18 hours. Yeah, man. Great. That's great. So good. That's so good. I love that. I mean, honestly, just cut to black right there. I mean, I know we get more, but just cut to black. You could cut to black there. Yeah, Yeah, you you could. Um, But I like how it ended. I like... I actually actually like the ending. Yeah, I like the ending as well. Um, We can... Yeah, keep going. I mean, we're right... No, we're right there. We, We, like... We move 18 months in the future... Yeah. And Ellie is giving a tour of the very large array to some children. And this is what I love. Yeah. This is how it ends. We see Ellie sitting on the top and at the edge of a canyon. She's sitting there in the day and day turns to night. She's mm-hmm. sitting there just for hours, just contemplating. And we see the stars and then it just ends. Yeah. At the end. I like her sitting there just... With everything that's happened, she's literally sitting for hours just thinking, thinking yeah. about stuff. My my actually favorite moment of the ending comes right before that where she's, you know, uh, she's kind of teaching a little group of kids who are visiting the array. And uh, one kid says, are there aliens? And she says, what do you think? And he says, I don't know. And she says, great answer. Like that, that's a great answer. Not knowing is a great answer because you don't know, you know, she knows because she had that experience, but no one believed her. So I don't know is a great response. Um, so I like that ending. I think it's weird. Like, I think this movie's perfect. I love it hundred percent. I just think it's weird that you also, you have the, the conf- confirmation of the 18 hours of static and her sort of not being recognized for that happening. You know, I feel like it needs to be one or the other. It needs to either give us the 18 hours of static or just give us that ending of, I don't know, and I'm going to start teaching kids to sort of open their minds and just like be accepting of anything because we don't know the answers. So just open your mind to let anything, you know, accept any sort of answer. Just think about all of them. So I like I like both those. I don't know. I feel like the 18 hours thing is sort of maybe they tested the movie on, you know, some some people and they didn't like the ambiguous ending. So they're like, okay, well, maybe we'll give the 18 hour thing of static just so everybody knows that it did happen to her. You know, she doesn't know, but everyone else knows. All of us watching know. I don't know. Um, Okay, so it sounds like for me that you're saying you think just because there was 18 hours of static that she went on this trip. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, for me, cut out the 18 hour talk and it's absolutely perfect. Just a- just absolutely perfect. Yeah, I think you could cut out that 18-hour talk. Yeah. That would be fine. Uh, I always looked at that 18 hours. Like, that's a piece of digital equipment. I mean, that thing could for sure F up in any way. As, yeah, yeah. As, like, look at those rings spinning around. Who knows what kind of, like, um, Good like point. interference yeah. would have... Yeah. Would have um, 
I mean, out of all the things we're kind of fed in this movie, I think it's very easy to believe that that headset malfunctioned. For sure. What they've done with the movie all the way through, they've gone on record with saying is that every at every point, they wanted to counterpoint science with religion and religion yeah. with science all yeah. the way to the end. So they want you kind of like not to know what actually happened. They wanted there to be arguments on both sides of how it could happen or how it could not happen. So it sounds to me like you are on board with her going. So I was going to ask, do you think she went or do you think she didn't go? Sounds like to me that you definitely think she went because of the 18 hours of static. I think she 100% went no matter what, even if that 18 hours of static was out of there. Okay. I For me, she went, but also... I like that nobody knows. I like that she can't prove it because that's what she's been on about. The entire movie was so focused on proving it. So I want to think for me in the movie that she went and she can't prove it because that is just the, now she has to kind of open her mind a bit and accept other people's opinions on things because just because they can't prove it. Well, now you have something you can't prove. That was the biggest thing of your life and, and you can't prove that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great, great character development for her. It's great. Yeah. I also think she went and have always thought she went. Yeah. And at, at first it was just because like, I just wanted that happy ending. I'm like, she went like, right. yeah. this is awesome. She went, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful ending. But as I was rewatching, I was trying to be a little bit more skeptical and try to see the other side of, of it, the scientific side. Of so course. everything was even for me yeah. until they say one line, the scientists actually admit it. They say the pod went out of sight for a fraction of a second. Oh, cool. Um, Interesting. With, with the rings, the way that the rings went, they're always spinning. So the pod is always in sight um, at some camera angle, except for a fraction of a second when it was covered by the rings. Cool. Which to me makes sense that in that fraction of a second, it could easily be transported to a wormhole and then be transported back and go through. So... That's for me what does it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the fact that she went. Yeah, because it does make sense that she would have. It would have all been in her head because even the beach is something she drew as a kid. So the beach she's on is something yeah. she drew as a kid. She sees her father. Totally makes sense that it could have just all been in her head because she was being dropped into this thing and you know life flash before her she's eyes. She's got a or whatever cut on her head. She got a cut on her head when she lands. Like she bonked her head. So bonked her head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they 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 set it up very nicely that it, yeah. it could all just be in her imagination. But yeah, uh, awesome man, awesome movie. So I love it. So so awesome. So great. It's like. I have a lot of a lot of these movies that I talk about that are in my top movies are these sci-fi movies like sci-fi thinkers um, and stuff that sort of hit me recently, you know, like Interstellar, Arrival, um, you know, movies that I it's just about, you know, contacting aliens and what that means, you know, to us, what that like thinking about humanity and thinking about the whole universe. I love those types of movies. So this one is just it, it's all that and it's a blockbuster, you know, it's like. It's a thinker, but it's also got this feel to it that it's it's this big movie. It's this big thing. And even right when it starts, when you're a few minutes in, you're like, this is a movie that matters. <laughs> like, I, I'm into this thing and this this thing's good. Heck yeah, it's good. All right, then if you don't have anything else to say, we could get to what if. I have a few things, Tim. A few clo- closing thoughts, if you will. Okay. 
So what I said is sort of earlier in the episode was that I understand why people might not like the ending. And it actually comes from something that Zemeckis said about the movie. He said he was unsure how the movie was going to perform because the entire movie, they're building a pedestal. And then at the end, they never put anything on top. And I totally get that. Like, there's no answer in the movie. You know, we're left with, I don't know. You know, we don't know if it happened. We have to kind of get to our own conclusions of if it happened or if it didn't. If science wins or if faith wins, you know, it's, it doesn't give us an answer. And the entire movie seems to be working towards an answer. And I think that some people going to a movie don't appreciate that they don't get an answer. They want an answer. Um, you and me, we're fine. We're fine making up an answer on our own. We're fine just thinking about the different options. We like that. That's what, you know, that's what kind of fuels us at the end of a movie. But um, I can understand why it sort of doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think people wanted to see something like exceptional. They wanted to see an alien race. They wanted like contact with, with an alien species. I think yeah. if her dad walks down the beach as a giant green alien, yeah. I think those people feel better about it. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I don't need that. I like what we got. I don't need to see some giant like alien world or alien structure. Yeah. Um, I think if you do that in the movie, you ruin the movie because then like yeah. you're, you're telling one way or the other, you're saying it happened because well, I mean, I guess not. I mean, she could have just imagined this alien species, but um, it's far more believable that she imagines her father rather than imagining some alien species. And well, the, I get it. I yeah. get it. You know, but th you know what, you know what, you know what those people need to do, Dean, the people who didn't like the ending of this movie, what do they need to do? They need to loosen up, man. Loosen up. Like man. just loosen yeah. up. The entire movie is science versus faith. And you, like you said, at every turn, they want to show you that it is science versus faith. It's sort of every point in this movie. So if you're watching this and you are sort of 100% science, you're like, okay, I need to get my answer that it's science. And you don't get that. And if you're 100% faith, you're at the end of the movie, you're like, I need to get my answer of 100% faith. And you don't get that. This movie doesn't give you any answer. This movie just mm. says that we all need to open up our minds and we all need to understand everyone else's side because we don't know. We don't know the answers of the universe. And even if we have contact with aliens, we're not going to know the answers of the universe. And I, I like the questions that this movie brings up. It doesn't just bring up like, what happens if we contacted aliens? It brings up the question, what does that mean? Like if we contacted aliens and we're not the, the special species anymore that it's only us, what does that mean? What question does that answer? Does that answer science or does that answer faith? And it doesn't give you one. And for me, that's perfect. I love it. I love thinking about these questions. I love movies that make me think of science versus faith. And all I want to do at the end of that movie is think. I don't want it to give me the answer. I just want to think about it. Yeah, it's better without the answer. It's better without the answer. Cool. Use your own, use your own mind to come up with the answer. Use your own damn brain. Look, if you want an answer force-fed to you, go watch Transformers, okay? <laughs> that movie, I don't, I think I've only seen one, but I'm sure those movies end with an answer, okay? I don't know, man. I don't know if they do. I don't know either. I saw the first one. I, did, I, don't, I don't know what happened. It sucked. Whatever. I feel like I'm coming off hot on this episode. You're hot on Transformers. I, that I feels like another double feature, Tim. <laughs> I'm not watching. I'm, no, no. Hell no. I'm not watching that movie again. The movies suck, dude. Those movies suck. Yeah, I, I agree the movies suck. I like the first one, but the movies suck. Okay, well, the first one sucked as well. Uh, 
what? What? <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. Did we go to that movie together? I feel like we did. Maybe. Maybe we, like did. we did. Another yeah. forgotten movie mo- moment for me. It was, Another I think. Yeah, I think we went to it together. Uh, okay. All right, let's get to what if. Okay, Dean. What if this movie gets revisited by Hollywood? Would you prefer a remake, a sequel, or a prequel, and why? Tim, you can't hit me with these hard-hitting questions. Um, I thought this was an easy one. Um, I don't want anything. Um, this movie's That's perfect. an answer, too. That's fine. I mean, I know the movie's perfect. How do you what if a movie like this, okay? You can't. So what if, okay, just, I mean, okay, just just talk your way through, talk my way through what it, those yeah. three scenarios look like. I don't want a prequel. I don't know what a prequel is. Like, so if you announce a prequel, I'm not really excited because I don't it's, really it would know. Be Ellie and, it would be Ellie's relationship with Drummond. It would build up a lot of, a lot of that. Um, probably, it would be a lot of her that. character, her character. Yeah, no. I don't want a prequel. I don't I, I don't think I would need that. I just don't need it. Sure. Um don't need a remake. Uh movie's perfect. So a remake could never it could never live up to it. it. There's something about this movie being in 1997 that is so special on a 90 million dollar budget. Um yeah, it's just it's it's so perfect for me in a sequel. I don't want a sequel because I told you I don't want answers. So a sequel I feel like is just going to give me answers. Don't give me answers. I love where we end off. I don't want to know the answer. I want to keep thinking about it for myself. I want your movie to present all the options and me to try to figure it out. Um, Don't give me anything. Don't give me another contact movie. I'm done. Cool. Okay, so Dean's refusing to answer the what if. I refuse to answer the question. Don't give me any of those. This is just for fun, everybody. So I think I'll answer it for him then. I Let me think. Um, (laughs) I think... I think I'll go for for um, sequel. I'm going to go for sequel because I it's think the they the said bunch. the the uh, the aliens said that mm. this was the first step of many. So I think if we land, let's maybe these characters we know aren't even in the movie anymore. Maybe we jump like a hundred years into the future and get to step two. Maybe it's another like really cool adventure where we get to see step two of the movie. I think uh, out of the bunch of options, I think maybe that's the best one to do. Uh, I agree. Prequel doesn't do much. Um, you get some really good character development, probably. Uh, remake. Uh, when was the last time a remake was done good? Those are usually terrible. I, uh, I would like a shot for shot remake. If they were going to say, look, we're going to take new act- actors and actresses and remake this movie with better effects and shoot it scene for scene again i'd probably prefer that to any other sort of remake yeah i agree Jody's with Dean. Perfect, it though. it's not going to capture like what the first one did there's something special yeah. about that um but that would be better than a prequel i think yeah uh, so i'm gonna go sequel gonna go i sequel. think you're right you're, you know what i was i was too close-minded and this movie's taught me to be open-minded so uh, i didn't take the message i guess um 
SQL is the best option of the three, I agree, because of that first step. Like the alien saying this is just the first step. I kind of want to see, I do. I do kind of want to see what those other steps are. What's step two? Like give me, yeah, give me a hundred years in the future where this is just a story, a story of one woman who claims she had you know, contact with aliens and then give me step two. I'd actually be really excited about that, Tim. You know what, Dean, it's too late. You had your chance. Shit. It's for me and I lost. You win. You lost this one. I somehow you somehow lost <sighs> your your own what if. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you you just had you had another all-star Superman moment. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, I'm so passionate about it that I just shut it's you just right down. It's just for fun. It's for fun. It's not it's not for anything. It's just for fun. But that's I okay. I know it's for fun, Tim. Okay, I'll do better next time. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. I got luckily I got us there. I hadn't considered it because this is your question. You're supposed to come up with the answer, but yes. uh it's Tim. it's fine. Listen, what? What? What about our trivia question? Yeah, we're doing it right now. It oh, comes okay, after cool, what cool. if. Okay. Yeah. So trivia. This is our trivia segment now. So uh I think you're you're up this time to go first. Okay. Hit me with hey, it. Tim. Tim. Yes. Palmer and Ellie. Uh, first of all, I was I just wanna I just wanna say I feel like I'm never gonna answer one of these correct okay. again. You and I feel one. like you I know, but I and I feel like you're always gonna answer mine correct. Because when I come up with my question. I look at it and I'm like, this is such an easy question because I came up with it. But it's a, that's not the case. It's just a not weird weird feeling. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Hit me with it. Okay, Tim. Uh, Palmer and Ellie, they spend one night together after they first meet. And Ellie, she has to go to work at like 2 a.m. So she tells Palmer to leave his number for her and she'll call him back. She does not intend to call him back, but she tells him to leave his number for her. She gets back to her place the next morning and finds his note. What does his note say? Call me, please. You know what? That is so close. Or call, please. Please call. Please call is the answer. Please, please call. call. You nailed it, Tim. You nailed it. That was amazing. <laughs> that was incredible. Well done. Uh, thank you. I don't know why I got that. From but... the hip. Like, I thought that was going to be hard because it's just, please call. Um, it's not like a nice note or anything. Wow. Tim, impressed. I'm impressed. Well, I'll tell you, I like to, when I get them right, which is not, well, this is the second time, but I like to say why. And it's because in that moment, I was taken aback by, like, I don't know if he was in love with her at that time, yeah. but his fondness for her was so deep that he would say the word please. Please. In that. Not please just like call, call me. And please, I think you... you. I mean, if this was a true trivia show, you wouldn't give me that answer because I didn't quite get it right. But yeah. it's the word please that caught my attention. Like yeah. he wants to connect with her further. And that's the moment where she walks out and is like, I'm cutting off ties with this guy. It's not going to happen. So the please was what always caught me about that note. So... Totally, Tim. I, that's exactly why I wrote the question, because that's what stuck out to me. Um, it's not like, I had a great night. Give me a call. It says two yeah. words, and it's please call. Please and call. it hits so hard. You know that he just he just really wants her to call him back. Yeah, and on, I think he hung the um, compass on the note as well at that time, you didn't bet. he? You bet. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Dean. Oh, no. What is Ellie's dad's nickname for her? Oh, what a, what a great question. Um, what is Ellie's dad's nickname for her? Oh, man. I do, I do not know the answer. 
Um, Got to run some lines of dialogue in my head here. Yeah. He calls her it a couple times. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I don't know it. I feel bad. I feel like I should get this. It's a tough one. I'm. It, it comes early in the movie, right? So Yeah. I'm going to go with um, Starlight. That's close. It's close. It's Sparks. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now I hear it. Now I hear it. Yeah. Oh, you man. got the yes. I think you're on. You're close. on the right. Yeah. You're on the right, on track. The right track. Yeah. Sparks. That's a really good Sparks. question, Tim. I will yeah. never get one of these right, but that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> you will. You will. I'll get one you of will them. We'll get one right. That was, yeah, great question. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Uh, Dean, thanks for joining, man. This was so much fun. I love oh, this movie so much. I know you yeah. do. Yeah. What a great time. I just, I mean, it felt like we were talking for five minutes. This one was just so enjoyable. So thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.